Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN AM for Monday, January 30th, 2023. And our top story today, almost $250 billion was wiped out from foundations in 2022. And joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, John Seitz is the Chief Executive Officer of Foundation Mark. John, great to see you. Happy New Year. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thanks for having me. All right, let's talk about, uh, we, we had you on a, a, earlier uh, in the middle of last year talking about uh, endowment um, and found, excuse me, foundation fund performance. And I guess my first question is, how did foundations do in 2022? Did they, did they match the market or did they outperform the market or underperform the market? Give you all three choices. Sure. Um, they did not have a good year. Foundations uh, were down. Their investment performance um, was, was down about 15.5%, um, our estimates indicate, which, you know, the S&P 500 was down um, about 18%. But the real um, you know, uh, tough spot was bonds. Bonds were down 13%. So these are all market things, but they're all, as you can see, they're all mid-teens, high-teens, and so they were more or less in, in line with the markets, but their asset levels of foundations have been impacted pretty significantly, which may lead to a hit on um, charitable support in 2023. Yeah, I was going to maybe dovetail into that. We can come back to asset allocation. I think all those things are important, but let's talk about overall charitable giving. These foundations though some of them may be funded by some of the largest and oldest families in America, oftentimes they are funded through charitable donations. And how, how did overall, how did charitable donations do in 2022? And what can we expect in 2023? Great question. Um, we model that uh, overall disbursements from foundations were about $95 billion in 2022, which is flat with 2021's giving. One thing that's very interesting about uh, uh, the disbursements, and I make the distinction between disbursements and giving only slightly, because that $95 billion includes about $5 billion of investment fees. So if we talk giving, the number is more like $90 billion. But again, flat um, in 2022 versus 2021. And the large foundations tend to have giving pacing that's based on a three-year moving average of assets. And so 20, the, the years leading up to 2022 were so strong, double-digit returns, that giving has been going up at a you know, 6 7% rate and now is stalled in 2022, according to our models. 2023 is likely to be down unless there's a, a really impressive return um, from investment performance on foundations. We think that foundations would need to be up about 18% in 2023 in order to keep giving flat at the $90 billion level. I mean, 90 billion is nothing to 
to sneeze at, um, of course. But a lot of the grants that these foundations provide go to research. They go to studies. Um, they go to smaller charities. I mean, you know, we just saw Amazon kind of close up its charitable giving. That is causing a big stir in the not-for-profit community. What's the impact here? In ter- and I know Foundation Mark is really tra- tracking the overall performance, but just if you wouldn't mind, um, you know, what does this mean to the, the not-for-profits that rely on these foundations for for contributions, for donations, for grants? I think that they're going to have to be uh, one of two things, either get more aggressive in their fundraising um, and look for um, uh, sources of of, uh, dollars in addition to um, foundations, which they, of course, already do. Foundations provide about 20% of overall um, charitable giving. Um, And so these operating charities need to you know step up their games in terms of you know getting um money from other sources besides foundations is one thing and then also probably look to trim their own budgets uh, or expectations um and i think that one of the um one of the things that we're just talking to some trustees about these days is the also the impact of inflation on some of these organizations because foundations have you know uh you know of the 90 billion over 10 billion dollars goes out in, in in costs and wages and salaries and benefits in rent in legal and accounting and if there's inflation you know on that end then there might be a crowding out effect in terms of grants as well which again could have an impact on the operating charities um you know then they're their overall budgets. Yeah, and they serve, many of these charities serve so many important roles in addition to the research. There's the food banks, et cetera. Uh, John, before we go to commercial break, I, I wanna see if you might do a comparison. Uh, you know, 2023, we're expecting some type of recession. I don't know if it's a sharp recession, whatever. I mean, I, I guess it depends on who you talk to, right? Uh, but how does this compare to, to 2008? I think a lot of people who are watching the program Think about the financial crisis as a major, major dip. Does this compare favorably or unfavorably in terms of what we're what you're seeing in terms of the returns, or is this a completely different animal? I don't think this is going to be like in 2008, and um, for the the core reason for that is in, in 2008 there was a severe liquidity crisis, um, and we just don't have that now. Basically, this time around seems that it's just you know uh, know, poor investment performance that's you know global you see it in the emerging markets you see it in developed markets as i said we see it in the fixed income markets so i don't see a disruption in the liquidity um, factors that we saw back then Um, in 2008 we you know the s p was down 37 percent but bonds we're up five percent in two thousand eight. Um, foundations overall were, were were down in the high twenties, but uh, this you know let's assume that there is a recession coming. The the ability for foundations to deliver to deliver charitable support will be impacted, I think, only by their asset levels, not the liquidity uh, fears that you had in two thousand and eight. So I just think that this from a 
charitable giving point of view that the philanthropic um, overall ecosystem is probably you know better off they as i said they will suffer likely um you know harder time raising money but i don't think that there's the same fear that you saw in in 2008. Well, that, that's a good sign. Uh, John, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about asset allocation. Just where are foundations allocating their assets? You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Tax audits, tax liens, wage garnishments. Every day we hear stories like this about good folks who are simply struggling to pay their bills. Each of them are living a frightening IRS tax nightmare and they are afraid it will destroy their lives. I'm a divorced single mom and my ex-husband left me and the kids with a lot of unpaid bills, including unpaid taxes. I was really starting to show my stress on my kids because the IRS had sent me a letter demanding a huge payment from me. I couldn't afford it. So then the IRS was threatening to garnish my wages. I'm already living paycheck to paycheck. That would have put me over the edge financially. It truly seemed hopeless, but then a friend at work told her to call the tax relief line. The people at the tax relief line, they told me about something called innocent spouse relief. They worked it out so that all of the taxes from my ex are not my problem. I don't know how that works and, and I don't care. All I care about is that I don't owe the IRS a dime and they are not going to take my paycheck. Even if it seems hopeless, you should call the number on your screen right now. There is absolutely no cost for the call or the consultation. You are under no obligation. If you are worried that the IRS could garnish your wages, seize your assets, even take your home, call us right now. The tax relief line is here to help you. 
Now you have a knowledgeable, professional team of tax experts that are ready to negotiate with the IRS and fight for you to save you money. The Tax Relief Line's professionals have successfully negotiated thousands of cases, reducing and sometimes even eliminating the tax debt for their clients. It's very easy to get started. Simply call the number on your screen right now. You don't have to live in fear anymore. The call and the consultation are free. Well, John, thanks so much for staying with us this morning. We really appreciate you uh, hanging around for segment number two. Great to be here. All right, John. Let's uh, let's talk about asset allocation because you know, yes, I think you did a great job, kind of setting the expectations for twenty twenty three. But I want to back that back up a little bit, and let's talk about where the assets are allocated or how they're allocated. It's no longer the sixty, the traditional sixty forty stock bond split, right? I mean, there, there's there's more there there. Absolutely. Um, over the last ten years you've seen a lot more alternative assets uh, coming into foundations um, and endowments. Again, we track foundations, but we also keep an eye on, on, on the endowments. Um, and you know, currently there's a little over a trillion dollars in foundations. And of that trillion dollars, probably 200 to $250 billion is in alternative assets, hedge funds, private equity, venture capital, so that has changed. What hasn't changed a lot is if you look at, you know, sort of growth assets versus preservation or income assets. So if you put in one bucket cash and fixed income, and the other bucket equities and alternatives, those the relationship between those hasn't changed as much. So you're seeing um, equities go down as a percentage in general over time and alternatives increasing over time. And there are a lot of reasons for this. One is that, you know, over the last 10 years, you've seen, you know, um, interest rates that driven to historic lows. And so foundations, and again, endowments also, you know, not getting the yields from their fixed income products that they were looking for. And so that pushed them into, into some alternatives. Um, so overall, they don't change very quickly, but again, if over a ten-year horizon, you've definitely seen alternatives increase. And, and John, this in this particular year, are there certain allocations to certain sectors of the alternative space? I mean, and, and there are lots. But when you know, you mentioned VC, venture capital, and private equity, and real estate. I mean, are there certain allocations that you have seen increase to some of these, I guess, subcategories of, of alternatives? Well, the jury's out a little bit on that. We haven't seen um, their actual balance sheets on, on 2022 or you know, looking forward to 2023. But I will say that hedge funds were the second best uh, performing asset class in 2022. I would think that that would you know, uh, give allocators uh, more um, you know, Credibility, if that's the right word, or sure. more impetus to um, you know to keep their hedge fund allocations where they are, or maybe even increase them. You know, in a, uh, a tough market environment like we've seen, hedge funds, which have the ability to obviously um, short stocks and make other different kinds of bets, can generate returns in 
what are pretty dismal long-only markets. So I would think that allocations to hedge funds uh, might increase uh, this year. John, uh, just came to me, and, and I want to ask you about cryptocurrency. We saw some uh, pension funds, uh, public pension funds, get into a little bit of crypto. Uh, is that as prevalent here? Because you know, you talk about risky. That's a, re- <laughs> it's a really risky investment, um, and even more risky relative to like hedge funds. Even though there are some hedge funds <laughs> that are invested in crypto, but. Um, has that kind of snuck its way in? The reason why I ask is um, we, we've all seen the press around FTX. We've seen kind of the, the up and downs of Bitcoin. Do the chief investment officers who manage these funds, these, in, these foundations, do they, is it a, a, even a more conservative approach and where something like this, like a crypto, wouldn't fit in? There's no meaningful uh, allocation to crypto if you look at that trillion dollars of foundations. Uh, there might be pockets of it, but from what we've seen, very little um, actual investment in crypto, whether or not it's the uh, investment policy statements haven't you know, allowed for that or, or as you said, maybe more conservative. Um, but having said that, there probably are you know, instances of, you know, there's, you can invest in crypto directly or you can invest in funds that do um, maybe private equity funds that have uh, uh, that are invested in crypto businesses. But it's not an issue uh, that we think is, um, you, know, a, a, you know, a meaningful one, you know, in 2022 or, or looking forward. It's just they don't have much uh, exposure or they have not historically had much exposure to crypto. Well, that that seem, might really work in their in their favor, at least in the short run. Yeah, for yeah. Uh, to their benefit, I would say certainly. Yeah, abs- absolutely, absolutely. John, last question, and, and I want to just you mentioned rising rates, um, in- interest rates from the Federal Reserve, and many expect that to continue. I want to ask you about um, the the fixed income portion and. and, and you know, bonds maybe didn't do as well, but what about things like some of the high yield money markets? And and I don't know the liquidity requirements. You know how much they they these foundations pay out on a year over year basis or a month to month basis. Probably a lot different than a pension fund. But is there a movement afoot to shift out of bonds and go to something like a high yield type of money market, as you were talking about earlier, to get a better rate? Because we've seen a lot of banks. Kind of jack up the rate uh, to attract more savings. Yeah, I think the foundations would be well served to uh, not just move to um, other, uh, let's call it a little bit higher risk uh, fixed income products. The foundations and endowments uh, have a um, you know, they're tax exempt from most uh, things, and so as a result, you know. The income that you get as a as a private investor, you know, if you earn interest in your fixed income products, is taxed. Versus, you know, these organizations that aren't, they I think foundations should really take advantage of that, you know, fact. And so, if there are investment products that have a yield, then personal investors might stay away from them, and that might be an opportunity for uh, foundations to increase those types of uh, exposures. The foundations right now are running about 5% in cash 
Um, and I think you know, getting 10 or 15% in, in fixed income products. And as I said, that's been fairly steady. And you mentioned liquidity requirements. Foundations really don't have very heavy liquidity requirements. They distribute on average about 8% of their three-year average um, rolling assets. So taking the other side of that, that means 92% or more of their assets aren't going to be touched in any particular year. Again, that's in aggregate. So as a result, they have the, um, a longer term horizon that they could certainly invest in, again, higher interest paying or even, as you said, maybe a little further up the risk curve. Instead of investing in government bonds, they might take more corporates or even some of the, um, the lesser, uh, you know, further down the capital stack. Yeah. Well, John, uh, really interesting. And, and let's hope that 2023 isn't as severe as many, some are predicting, and uh, it's a little bit more shallow of a recession. And we'll see how things do. John, always a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks, thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thank you, Jeff. And again, I join you in hoping for a better 2023. Yeah. Fingers crossed, John. Yes. That wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more in all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, or visit our website and, of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRN AM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on saving. And don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.